All right. So today's daf is daf Pei Hei, page 85. And the Halak of Masech HaSadar, I'm going to go back to Pei Dalit Amud Beis, 84b. Uh, we're going to back up all the way. We finished the daf, so let's back up uh, nine lines from the bottom. We'll go back to the two dots. Okay. Now, the case of the Mishnah was that we're going to be describing by the colon is that if she says that, or anybody says, Kohanim and Leviim are not allowed to benefit from me. Here's the problem. The problem is that you're obligated to, um, you're obligated to give them trumas and maestras, to give them some sort of benefit. The question is, by me giving trumas and maestras, is that considered me benefiting them, or is that halacha benefiting them? So the Mishnah interestingly said, if I said, if I said, if, yeah, 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 we're good. So if he says that, if, he, if somebody says that the Kahanim and Leviim are not going to benefit from me at all, it says, so then they could take Trumas and Maestras on their own. But if you say specific Kohanim and Leviim cannot benefit, then those specific ones cannot benefit, but others can. And what the Gemara is going to try to figure out is, so what's happening here? The person who's giving Trumas and Maestras, is it considered mine? If it's considered mine, then the Tovas Hana, that's the word we're going to keep going back to, which is, the right to choose which coin and levy to give it to, if that ha- gives me equity, if that gives me real financial value in the Trumas and Maestras, so then the, um, so then the halacha should be that the Kohanim and Levim should not be allowed to benefit from me. Otherwise, they should be allowed to, you uh, should be allowed to benefit from me. But how are we dancing at two chasnas with this halacha? So here we go. Two dots. Kahanam Leviim Nenali Yitlu Vechulu. Kahanam Leviim are allowed to benefit from me. We said they're allowed to take it anyway. Zok to Gemara. Alma, you see from here, Taivas Hano Einon Mammon. You see that Taivas Hano, the right to choose, the benefit of choosing which kind to give it to, which kind to give it to is considered financial value. But the problem is, Ema Seifa, here's the issue. The end of the mission seems to imply there's no real financial value to Taivas Hano. To being the one who could choose, why not? Here we go. Let's say I say this Kohen and this Levi cannot give me benefit. Then other Kohen and Levi could take. But these can't take. Well, if they can't take, that means I do have ownership. It seems that I that the fact that I can choose does give me equity. And that's why these specific Kohen and Levi cannot take it. So make up your mind. You're dancing at two weddings at the same time. On one end, you're saying there is Taiva Sana, on the other end, you're saying there's no Taiva Sana. So, what's the, what's the easiest way to wiggle out of this contradiction? By saying that it's just a machlokas, not a contradiction. It's a machlokas. Amr of Haishia, like Kash, no question. Harebi, Baha Rebbe, Isi, Berebi Yehuda. It's a machlokas in Rebbe and Rebbe Yehuda. How so? The tongue learned in the price of. A person who steals tevel from his friend and eats it. So listen to this. If you have grain before trumas and maestras are separated, it's not kosher. It's called tevel. You're not allowed to eat it. So you have Reuven who grows a hundred bushels of grain. He hasn't yet separated his 10% and his 2%. We'll call it the Maiserishan and the Chuma. There's other Maiserishan too. We'll call it Maiserishan and Chuma. Somebody steals the hundred bundles. Did they steal a hundred bundles from Ruvain? Or do we say, no, they didn't steal a hundred bundles from Ruvain because some of it really belongs to Maiser, some of it really belongs to Chuma. Right? 
So if some of it belongs to Maisha, some of it belongs to Juma, you shouldn't have to give the full hundred bundles back to Reuven. So you got to pay back the full value, which seems it's all his. Divrei Rebbe, this is the opinion of Rebbe. You don't need to pay back the full 100 bushels. You got to give back only the amount of chulin that Ruvain actually owns. The rest of it you give to the Kahanim and Leviim. So my love, isn't this, is it not that this is the Machlaikas between Rebbe and Rebbeisi Berebi Yehuda? The Rebbe, the Rebbe, our Rebbe holds Taivasan Rebbe's going to hold that the, of the value that's given to, the, the benefit that's given to the owner by being able to choose which kind and lady is considered financial value. And therefore, you got to pay him back the full hundred. They say, no, it's not considered value. Therefore, if you stole from Ruvain the hundred bushels, you don't need to give back the full hundred bushels because it's tevel. Give him back the amount that's cool. And the other part, you should give straight to the kain and the levi. So you see, the, there's a machlaikas tanayim, whether or not tevas is considered equity in the fact that I could choose, does that give me equity in the over in, in the overall amount or not? Tuesday Gemara responds, "Light, that's not the machlekes." Really, both Rebbe and Rachel Buda will agree that the benefit of being able to choose the owner, being able to choose which kind of levy to give it to, is not considered equity. It's not considered financial value. But the machlekes is. About uh, Matnas, Kahuna, and Levia, for example, Chumas and Maisris, that have not yet been separated. Okay? So if it's all together, so do we say that you have to wait for it to actually be separated in order to take away the ownership of Ruvain? Or do we say no, even prior to it being separated, since we know Ruvain cannot keep the total amount? It's not all considered his. Ask the Gemara, in a moment. If you're going to tell me everybody's in agreement that Taibasanah does not give the owner equity in that extra amount, Mali Hormu, Mali Hormus. Now let's understand the Mishnah. The Mishnah, again, seems to be dancing at two chastas. In one place it says um, they, they could take it on their own, another place you got to give it. Well, make up your mind. Listen to this, is a, a, a fascinating logic. And that is the reason why Rebbe holds that the, the Ganav, the thief, has to give back the full hundred bushels to Ruvain is not because Rebbe really holds Ruvain owns the full hundred. It could be Rebbe's in agreement that, Rebbe, that, that the owner does not have the full hundred. Really, some of it belongs to Levi. Some of it belongs to Kayan. Aye, so why am I giving back a hundred? It's a fine that we give to a Ganav. You stole a hundred bushels from Ruvain. We're not going to let you pay back 89 with the claim, oh, Ruvain never owned the final 11. No. We're not going to let you pay back uh, any amount. We'll say, whatever you took, you pay back. Ah, it's not Ruvain's. We don't care. We're fining you. You're a thief. You took 100, you give back 100. We're not playing games with you. That's Rebbe's approach. But Rebbe Yisrael takes a whole different, uh, takes a whole different path. Rebbe Yudah says, no, 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 no. You don't have to give back the full amount. You don't have to give back the full 100. You know why? Says Rebbe Yudah, why am I fining the thief? You know who we have a claim against over here? The owner. Why haven't you already separated your Chubas and Isaris? Consumer Rabbanu What are you doing with devil in your domain? You should have separated your Chubas, should have separated your So when this guy stole 100, he never should have stolen 100. You should have only had, let's call it, 79 left. Depending on how many Mises you were supposed to separate. And therefore, says Rabbi Yehuda, 
the ganav only pays back the chulin amount, the part that you'd be left with after your truma semisris, and the other amounts he's not obligated to pay back. Okay, he has to give it to Kayan and Levi, whatever it is, but he doesn't have to give it back to the owner. Bottom line is, we're unsure at this stage of the Gemara um, how we are supposed to uh, uh, how we're supposed to understand the Mishnah. Because again, our Mishnah had said. If somebody says, I'm removing all benefit from all Kahanim and Leviim, they could take their stuff anyway. They could take all the gifts that are meant for Kahanim and Leviim against his will. But the Seifa said, if he says, I'm not giving it to a specific Kahanim and Levi, then they're not allowed to take it against his will. Okay? So we still, we wonder, we, we explained the Machalikastin Rebbe and Rebbezi Rebbe Yudah, but we haven't explained our Mishnah. Their machlekes is a completely separate conversation than we're having in our mission when it comes to Shumas and Meisters. So we're back to square one. And that is, how are we to understand why in the race of our Mishnah, the Kahanam Leviyam could benefit, but in the Seifa, they cannot. So Rav is going to come and give us a final answer over here. He's going to give us an answer that we're going to accept and answer the contradiction. Rav Amar Rav says, shiny truma, I want to, I want to explain to you that truma is unique. The hainu taima, the yitlu al karchai. In the reisha, in the beginning, we're going to allow the truma to be taken against the will of the owner. Mishum the truma leichazi ala kahanim, because truma is only fit for kahanim. So listen closely. Ready for this? I want to pause for a moment and take a broader look at the story. You have an owner who's obligated to take meiser and truma. He's got a hundred bushels, but he said no kayan and levi could benefit from me. What are you going to do with it? You got to separate your truma. That's what it says in the Torah. But you're saying the Kahanim are not benefiting from you. So what you going to do? It's going to happen. Is the Yisrael himself, the owner himself, Ruvain himself, is he allowed to benefit from the truma? No, he's not a Kohen. So what are you going to do? There's no coin to take it. Again, in the ratio, he said, no coin may touch my stuff. Well, you can't touch your stuff either. The Mishnah says, any coin and Levi could take it. What's the background behind what's happening here? Sigmar says, Gishmak. Since he himself cannot benefit from it either, because he's a Ruvain, He's not a Kohen. So you know what happens? It becomes Hefker. It becomes dirt to him. You don't own it. Anything that is prohibited for you to benefit from, you don't own. It's ownerless. It's garnished. So what's happening is like this, says Rava, to explain the lumdus, the kishkas of what's happening in our Mishnah like this. A guy says, Kohanim and Leviim cannot benefit from me at all. The Mishnah says, the Kohanim and Leviim can take their Trumas and Maestras. You know why? Because they're not benefiting from him. They're benefiting from something that's ownerless. He can't have it. They can't have it from him. So what happens is, since you can't have it, it's ownerless. And now any Kohen and Levi can take it because I'm not getting it from you. I'm getting it from, uh, from Hefker. However, what about the second case of the Mishnah where, he, all, where, where all I say is, this Kohen cannot take it. This Levi cannot take it. Do I have other options? Yeah, I give a different kind of different levy. 
Therefore, not every Kohen and Levi could grab it. Don't tell me it's ownerless because I can't do anything. Yes, I could. I can give it to my favorite Kohen. I can give it to my favorite Levi. And that's how Rabba explains the difference of, uh, of halachas in the Rasha and Seifa of our Mishnah. Beautiful, period. End of that Gemara. That is really the end of that topic. The end of that sugya. We're now going to start a whole... We're going to shift to a whole different topic which comes up... It's going to be a couple of blot on this topic. A short blot. Um, the, the, this topic really is a sugya and ksubis that we learned together. And the reason why it's in ksubis is because it pertains primarily to obligations that spouses have to each other, which is what a ksuba is, right? Ksuba is the husband's responsibility to the wife, but built into the ksuba as well. We know there are certain things that a wife is obligated to do for the husband. So what we're going to deal with over here in a darim is if you have these obligations that spouses have to each other, but one of them made a neder getting in the way of that obligation. So now what do I do? I have a pre-existing obligation with a neder. We know usually a neder cannot take away a pre-existing obligation. Depends how much of an obligation it is. So here, here we go. Next Mishnah. Kainam she'eni aise alpi abba va'alpi avicha va'alpi achi va'alpi achicha. A woman says, I am making a vow. My father, your father, my brother, your brother can never benefit from me. This girl, this woman is a phenomenal baker. She makes delicious food. She makes the coolest pottery, whatever she does. She's saying, my parents, your parents, my, my sibling, your sibling, cannot benefit from me. The Mishnah says, The husband cannot remove the vow. Why not? Because as we learned, a husband cannot remove any vow that he wants. You can only remove a vow that's inui nefesh, that's afflicting her. This is not afflicting her. And he can only remove vows that get in the way of him and her relationship. You might say, oh, maybe this is. But as we learned, and we'll get back to this as well a little bit later, it's Dvarim Shabbat have to do with their intimacy. So since this vow, whether he likes it or not, has nothing to do with inui nefesh, and it's not Dvarim Shabbat He's not able to remove the vow. And his brother, her brother, his father, her father cannot benefit from her. Okay. What if she says, She'eni aise alpicha. I am making a vow that you will not benefit from my work. He doesn't need to remove her vow. You know why? Because one of the obligations built into the ksuba is that when she works, the husband has a lien on that paycheck. Remember that? Right? The maisia dayim that a woman brings in goes to the husband. So if she says, no, you can't use any of my income. It's forbidden to you. Says the Tanakama, he doesn't need to even remove the vow because it's not a vow. She has a pre-existing obligation to him. He can't, she can't even make the vow. 
Rebbe Kiva, I remember Rebbe Kiva argues. Rebbe Kiva says no. Yafer. Yafer means he's got to remove the vow. Why? For the following reason. I, you're obligated to work X amount, to bring X amount of income to the home as obligated in the Ksubas. Listen to this. Says Rebbe Kiva, it's true, but that's a minimal amount. What if she earns more money than that minimal amount? So now anything that's extra is going to be forbidden to him and he has to make sure to remove that vow if he ever wants to benefit from that extra money. Fascinating. You could say, oh, a woman, you got to bring in, remember it was five slum, that's the number we gave in Ksubas. You got to, a woman has the obligation towards the relationship to bring an extra vow. Okay, but let's say she brings in millions of dollars. That's not the husband, that's hers. So therefore, says Rebbe Kiva, he's going to have to remove the vow. You can't just say it's not there. Because you have to remove the vow. Because in case they get divorced, she will never be allowed to, uh, she, uh, the two of them will never be allowed to remarry. Okay? Because ultimately, when they have to renew the Ksuba obligation, then he doesn't have the lien against it. Currently he might, because there's a pre-existing lien Against against the income, but if they ever get divorced, there's no pre-existing lien, and then you're going to have this this problem. So Rebbe Manuri is kind of like foreseeing the future, and therefore recommending that the husband uh, remove the vow. Okay. Omar Shmuel Shmuel says Halacha Rebbe Manuri. The Halacha is like Rebbe Manuri that a husband hears this vow about her saying, "I'm forbidding my money for you to benefit your mouth to benefit from it." He's, he, he needs to remove the vow, otherwise it remains in place. Is Shmuel's problem in that the person cannot sanctify something which is Now what's her second marriage? Right? And not only that, the money that's going to come in is not yet here. So she hasn't earned the money, they're not even divorced, but Rabbi Yechavanuri is saying, oh, the guy, you better remove the vow because the vow is going to affect even things that are lo even things that she's going to bring in down the road. Because if it doesn't impact things that are lo why is Rabbi Yechavanuri demanding that he remove the vow? We'll just say the vow doesn't apply to the future. Veramini, but ask you contradiction. If a person says, all of my wife's income belongs to Hektish, top of Behemoth Bays. Now, could he do that? Yeah but only for a minimal amount, only for an amount that she's responsible to him. She could work and eat, gain from it. Anything that's extra, uh, I'm sorry, she could eat with the initial amount and also the extra. Okay, so according to the Tanakama, even the initial amount is not going to belong to Hektish. Again, a husband says, my wife's future earnings that he has rights to, are going to belong to Hekdish, even the initial earnings do not belong to Hekdish. Okay. Rameir Aimer, Hekdish. No, he says it is Hekdish. It's going to be considered Chulin. What's the reason for this? How can you say it's Hekdish when it's not even here? I can't make my wife's future earnings Hekdish, it doesn't exist. And Shmuel says, Allah is like a break in the sound that you cannot sanctify something that's going to come to the future down the road. So Shmuel, make up your mind. Pause, let's take a step back 
and explain the question very clear. In our Mishnah, Shmuel had said the halacha is a person is obligated to remove his wife's vow when she says you can't benefit from me. Why? Because otherwise, in the future, you cannot get back together. Because a vow now will impact future. The problem is when it comes to hektish, Shmuel is saying, paskening like Rabbi Yechina Benuri, that a person cannot sanctify something, cannot impact something that's not here. So we're not concerned about the future. So Shmuel, make up your mind. Are we concerned about the future or not? It's a contradiction. The chit heim, and if you're going to try to answer me, says Gemara to forewarn a possible answer. And if you're going to answer me, where did the Shmuel paskin? He was only talking about the extra meaning. The minimal amount, she cannot make a nether on. But the extra, you know, that she brings into the marriage, you could make a nether on. You should say that specifically. Say, by the extra money we passing like him. Don't say that carte blanche is like Rebbe Menuri. It's not true. The extra amount that she brings in will be like that. But not the initial amount, inami or halacha kudanakama. Inami in Akiva. But that's not what he says. He says, Halacha Kirabiachana Banuri. So if he says Halacha Kirabiach Banuri, you can't tell me Halacha Kirabiach Banuri. And then over here, when it comes to Hektish, tell me that, that the Halacha is like Rabbiachan Hasanler. The two Halachas don't stem, they don't work together. Alam Rabbi Yasef. Rather, Rabbi Yasef comes to try to answer, and he says like this. Shiny kainamis, when she made a konam, she made a konam forbidding her husband from benefiting from her. It's different. Since I am able to forbid things that aren't even mine, on me, meaning you own something. There's two ways that that item could become forbidden for me. Either you Forbid me to benefit from your item. Which you could do. Or I personally say I forbid myself to benefit from that item. Now I can't forbid others from benefiting from your item. That's none of my business. I have no power to do that. But I have the power to forbid myself through a konum from your thing. You have a bottle of soda. I have the power to say I am forbidden to drink that bottle of soda. So that's a chiddish. That's a unique concept. By a konam, since I could forbid something that I have no ownership of, so too by a konam I could forbid something that's not in existence in this world. Why? Because you find a unique reality by konam. You find that I don't need to have any sort of ownership or any sort of connection to this item, and it could still become prohibited. Since I could do that, why is it any different than, the, than something that's going to be here in the future? What's the issue of something that's here in the future? That I don't have a control over it now? So, a konam works. I could forbid something even when I don't have control over it now. So says Rabbi Yosef, konam's different. But it's not a contradiction in Shmuel, because by konam we'll say, you could impact it. However, we could still paskin by the case of Hektish, like Rebbe and that you can't. Okay, that's one way to answer the, machlaik, the, the contradiction. 
To which Rabbi Yosef's beloved student, Abaye, says to his Rebbe, he says, Rebbe, one second. Amalei Abaye. Abaye says, no, 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 Rebbe, what's happening? I, I, I'm not going with this answer. Because Bishlama, it's understandable. When it comes to Konam, I can say your apples are forbidden to me without having any sort of ownership. Why? Because the same way I could prohibit you from eating my fruits, I can prohibit myself from eating your fruits. Same way I could prohibit you from eating my fruits, I could prohibit myself from eating your fruits. Ella, but, yes, our dabar shaloi bala ilam al who says I can forbid something that's not yet in existence in the world? In other words, granted in both cases you don't yet have an ownership. But in one we do find the concept of being able, the same way I'm able to forbid my, this thing on others, I can forbid it on myself. If I can forbid it on myself, okay, I have a chiddush, I could even uh, do it by a dover But when it comes to hektish, who says that's mutter? Therefore, Abayi says to his beloved Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, he says, Rabbi, I'm not comfortable with your answer. El Amar of Huna Breder of Yeshua, rather of Huna Breder of Yeshua, tries to answer the contradiction, and he says, by Imeris Yikodshu Yodai Le'oiseya. The case of Hektish is where the wife says to the, where the wife says to the husband, my hands are Hektish to HaKadosh Baruch Nobody besides for Hashem could benefit from anything that my hands have created. And therefore like this. When she says nobody can benefit from my hands. Any future work that she does with the hand, that income, is that considered a davar shalom olam? No, it was in the world. You know why? Because her hands have been here all along. Gavaldik. Meaning like this. Until now, listen closely. Until now, we've been saying, what's the issue? How can you forbid your husband to benefit from something, income, that doesn't exist? You can't prohibit some, somebody from benefiting from a non-entity. In the future, when it comes, okay, say it then. But now you could forbid a non-entity. It's something that's going to be here. You can't do that. Ah, so why do we pass like a Listen here. Beautiful. Because we're changing what she said. Instead of her saying, I'm forbidding you from ever benefiting from my income, what she says is, I'm forbidding you to benefit from anything I create with my hands. Are her hands out of this world? Are her hands not here yet? No, her hands are absolutely here. And since she was focusing on her yadayim, she could now actively prohibit her husband from ever benefiting from anything that she creates with her actual hands. Says Gemara, But if a woman says, any person says, I'm making my hands hectic. Is that so? Everything she makes with those hands are hectic? You can't do that. Because your hands are obligated. There's a pre-existing lien on her hands to also take care of the house she has her element, or her, her obligations within the ksuba to the husband. So she can't just go ahead and say a statement of, anything my hands ever create is hectic. She can't do that. The husband's got to lean on the obligations that she has to him by when she accepted his marriage. 
So Gemar says, the umra l'chibagarsha. What she's saying is, I want my hands to be hectic when we get divorced. You're right. While they're married, can't. But she says, once my hand, once we get divorced, then I want my hands to belong to hectic. I hashta miyas megarsha. Says the Gemara. Bottom line is, they're not divorced yet. So if you're not divorced yet, how is her statement about later going to uh, going to work? So Amar Ravila, top of Pevav, Ravila answers. He says, "Uma ilu." I'll tell you why it works. Because Uma ilu aimer Imagine, what if? What if somebody says to his friend, "Sodezu this field she'ani meicherlach that I will sell to you, or I'm or I'm selling to you now lekisha ekchena mimcha." When I buy it back from you, tikadesh, it should be hektish. Mi lai mekadsha, wouldn't you agree that it belongs to hektish? Meaning, at the time that he's making the statement, he's saying as follows: It's my field. I'm selling you the field. When you when I buy it back from you, I want it to automatically be hektish. Is it hectish? The answer is of course. You know why? Because he's making his statement prior to selling it to his friend. It's his item. Again, he's Reuven's selling it to Shimon. As he's selling it to Shimon, he says, when I buy this back, Shimon, by the way, I want it to belong to Hectish. That statement's fine. It'll belong to Hectish because it's not like you're saying to find something that's not yours. It's currently yours. It's going to leave your possession, become Shimon's for a little bit, and then it'll become your possession again. So therefore, since it's yours right now, you have that power. So the Gemara had asked, I, can a woman, while she's married, say that when we get divorced, I want to sanctify my hands and therefore get in the way of the remarriage. And if we ever remarry, you cannot benefit from these hands. The Gemara, does that work? The, says, says Ravila, yeah, it does work. Because right now, right now, the, the <laughs> she's going to be her hands. So when it's going to be her hands, she could, she could uh, make it hectic. It should be no different than this field. All right. We'll hold it here for today. Pez Hashem, tomorrow we will pick up from Maskif La Rabbi Yirmiya. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.